This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. By the end of May, the Conservative Party of Canada will have its new leader. But as of this moment, the race is still wide open. Maxime Bernier, whom we talked to last week, is the perceived front runner. But anything can happen with 13 candidates vying for the position and a complicated system of ranked ballots. MP and former Speaker of the House Andrew Scheer is one of the younger candidates competing for the job. He he is also one of the most liked, and he's usually described as a social conservative. He joins me now to talk about what he stands for. Andrew Scheer, welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks very much for having me on. Okay, so um, what are the most salient points of your platform. You talk a lot about being able to unify the party. Yeah, I think that's a key issue for our members to consider. It wasn't that long ago that we were a divided movement. We had two parties on the right of centre in this country, and the end result of that was over a decade of of liberal liberal government. So I believe it's important that uh, the leader can keep all the different kinds of conservatives in the movement and not just impose uh, a personal ideology on the party. If you look at my campaign promises, they're all grounded in our in our party policy. That they're all grounded in common sense conservative principles. For example, removing the GST from utilities. I don't know about you, but I don't think heating your home in Canada is a luxury. I think it's an essential. And uh, not only would I scrap the carbon tax, but I would also get rid of the GST off of uh, things like home heating and hydro and power. Mm-hmm. Um, you criticize uh, one of your uh, rivals, Maxime Bernier, who is the front runner for some of his supply management uh, policies. He, he's against the, the dairy board. Um, is, is that an issue that you think has a lot of resonance? Well, there's certainly a lot of our members of parliament and indeed members of the party who want to preserve that system. Uh, I understand Max's argument on that, but uh, I don't think he understands the the practical impacts of of what he's proposing. We have thousands and thousands of dairy farmers and chicken farmers and egg farmers around this country that support rural and remote locations that would, uh, many of whom would, would have to Sell, sell, sell their land and, and, and move away from family farms uh, for, for you know, a very uh, dubious economic benefit. Uh, every country in the world has some kind of mechanism to support aspects of their agricultural sector. And I don't believe we should, you know, be afraid of Donald Trump, who, who, whose own government has billions in farm aid every year. So to me, the system works. It, it keeps uh, family farms on the land, in business. It provides a, an affordable, high-quality product to Canadians. How would you deal with Donald Trump, who, uh, it, you know, we, we, for a while it looked like it was under control, and now we seem to be on the brink of a trade war? Well, you know, it's first of all, let me say, it's very frustrating that the Liberals have kind of, you know, backpedaled into this, slept walk into this. Uh, you'll remember that when Justin Trudeau went down for a state visit to Barack Obama, 
we had an opportunity there to get an extension on things like softwood lumber. We had uh, a much different type of president under Barack Obama. And did Justin Trudeau bring his natural resource minister to, to start the hard work on that? No, he brought his in-laws. He brought his mother and father-in-law. So, you know, that's the frustration as a conservative is watching this unfold and watching the liberals doing very little about it. We have a, an American president now who is protectionist, and we don't want to be collateral damage in his uh, in his protectionist measures against uh, Asia and Mexico. So we have to go down and we have to find those businesses that hire Americans that have factories and plants thanks to access to Canadian markets. We need them to put the pressure on Congress and, and the president to keep that border open. Uh, you are described as a social conservative. Uh, you are against abortion. Uh, you are for tax relief for people who send their children to alternative religious schools. Could you explain what that would mean in terms of your policies? Sure. Well, first of all, I should clarify, it's it's not... Uh, there's not any one kind of school that would be eligible for this. This is for any kind of independent school, uh, both religious and otherwise. You know, a lot of parents send their children to independent schools for a variety of reasons. Sometimes it's faith-based, but often it's specialized learning uh, or, or focus on an aspect of the curriculum. And uh, sometimes parents homeschool just to you know provide uh, a different kind of education for their children. I recognize the rights as parents, as first educators, that the primary responsibility and duty falls to parents. One out of 12 children in this country are in either a homeschooled or an independent school environment. But all those parents still pay education taxes. So the public system is actually better off when some parents put their children in independent schools because they get 100% of the tax revenue from those parents but don't have to spend those resources on, on those children. So to recognize the sacrifice that many parents make and you know, most families who put their children in independent schools are not wealthy. But to recognize that and recognize the benefits it has for our education system, I've proposed a tax credit where a portion of their tuition would be eligible for a tax credit. And that will make it a little bit easier for families to make those choices to give their children the very best in education. And abortion? Well, I've, I've, I've always been up front. I've always voted pro-life. I am pro-life. I recognize that our party is divided on this issue. And I've said that a leader should not introduce legislation on things that are going to divide his own his or her own caucus. And so I've made it clear that as a government, we won't be introducing legislation on that. But I do respect the rights of individual MPs to speak out and advocate for things that are important to them. And uh, my leadership style will always be to try to find that common ground between all the different kinds of conservatives, social conservatives, fiscal conservatives, democratic reform conservatives. A good leader doesn't try to divide the caucus or, or the movement, but finds the common ground. Okay. Um, let's take a call from Bob in Etobicoke. Hi, Bob. Hi, how are you? Fine. How are you? Yeah. Not bad. I went through the trouble and paid some money into the Conservative uh, Federal Party so I could get to vote on the elect, uh, the, who's going to become the next, hopefully, Prime Minister. Okay. My problem is that I don't know, even at this late time, I don't know who to vote for. Because I have certain things that I like to see done. Uh, one, I want to see the this country run as a country and everybody treated equally. Nobody better off than anybody else. Now, uh, I, the view I just heard about the education, I believe in public school, from kindergarten to the end of public school, everybody should have to attend the same public school. 
Is, isn't that a little uh, heavy-handed, telling people yeah. where, where they have to go to school? Yeah, no, that doesn't matter where, as long as it's a public school so that they integrate with the rest of the population. That's what I want to see. I want to see integration so that later on they, they don't have uh, feelings against this group or that group because they went to a separate school. So in the public school, from kindergarten to grade, whatever it is, some places is seven, some places is eight, it should be a public school, and it should be funded by the public, and it should be supervised. Religious classes should not be part of that, okay? You want to teach your kids about religion, you can do that in the weekends or at home. But it's that's one thing. I, I, I have a problem. I'm in the mining business, and we have too many special interest groups interfering with mining, logging, uh, environment. I don't agree with the the uh, track, uh, carbon tax because I really don't believe carbon is the problem, and they know that now if you look at some of the information on the carbon. So if we don't allow people to mine and uh, cut lumber, we're not going to be able to afford hospitalization much longer because we have to sell stuff abroad, and and we can't be doing what we've been doing. Oh, so okay, Bob, let change. let let um, Andrew Shear respond. Okay, okay. Well, a few issues there. First, I'll, I'll tackle the stuff that, that we disagree on, Bob. Uh, I, I fundamentally disagree with with uh, the notion that people should not have a choice in in educating their children. Um, you know, public boards uh, play a valuable, uh, essential role in, in this country, and and absolutely uh, should be there for for those parents. But to suggest that parents don't have a right to give uh, have an alternate or alternative or independent style teaching to me refuses to recognize that parents are the primary educator. That that it's it's the the rights are flow through the parents. Parents who send their children to school are essentially hiring. Uh, teachers to do for them what they can't do themselves. And so the idea that the state would, would regulate the, to, to that degree of not offering any kind of choice in education, I, I, you and I are just going to have to agree to disagree on that because I, I, I wouldn't want to live in a country where the government had that kind of control. Uh, but I do take your point on integration. I think that is something that we do need to talk about. And, and where I think you have some legitimate concerns is where children are put in in schools and don't have that opportunity to interact or, or to integrate it in larger societies. And I think that's an important conversation that we have to have in terms of our immigration system to um, promote people. Sorry. I'm, now I'd like to uh, interject. So um, you've said that uh, you don't like uh, Kelly Leach's talk about, uh, you know, uh, uh, the way she characterizes, you know, the values test for new immigrants, but you do think we need more screening. Can you explain that a bit? Look, uh, yeah, I've I've just always said when it came to Kelly's proposal that I didn't understand what it was she was talking about. It's only very recently that she started to kind of fill in the blanks about what what that would mean. I do believe that we have Canadian values that we need to protect. I do believe that our immigration system should put a greater emphasis on uh, integration and adoption of those Canadian values. It was never clear to me how, you know, a, a questionnaire would, would, would accomplish what Kelly's trying to do. I think we have to have a more robust screening system and make sure that there is more interaction with the applicants who are looking to come here. It's all about how we communicate that and always project it in a tone that the Conservative Party is seen to be an inclusive party that, that's welcoming of people. So in that respect, I, I do understand where Bob's concerns may, may stem from when it comes to uh, education because, of course, we, we do need to make sure there are opportunities for integration with all the different types of ethnic communities that uh, that now live in Canada. 
On his point on the carbon tax, could not agree more. The carbon tax is going to have a devastating impact on everything from mining to oil and gas to manufacturing. I met with a small business owner in Markham who manufactures plastic components for the auto sector. He's already reduced his shift work down from five days a week to three days a week just because of the high hydro costs. And he told me that if that carbon tax is put in, he's going to move his company to New York State, manufacture those same components in New York State, hire Americans instead of Canadians, and export that product right back into the Canadian market. And I think to myself, how does that actually reduce emissions, and how is that good for the economy? So I will absolutely repeal the carbon tax. I'm going to go one step further. I'm going to remove the GST from home heating and hydro and power. What do you think is going to be the key issue that decides this? I hear a lot of people talking mostly about personality and mostly like kind of doing the math about coming up the middle and being, you know, most people's second choice and and winning that way. What do you think the key to winning this race will be? Well, that's a huge part of it, right? Like in in order to, to get a little bit of attention, or to break away from the pack, some candidates have either, you know, conducted the campaign in a certain type of style or put forward policies that can be kind of polarizing. The advantage of having a polarizing policy is that you do get a lot of support from it. The disadvantage is you also alienate some people. So while some candidates, and I know Maxine Bernier is, is doing very well in the polls right now, uh, he may not be able to grow on subsequent ballots because of uh, his polarizing policies. You know, uh, he, he has certainly gone out and, and staked out some territory on, on supply management. He's also pushing for free t- free trade with China. Um, there's a lot of Conservative Party members that are, are concerned about having a free trade deal with a country that still has a lot of state-owned enterprises and, uh, and, uh, and things like that. So um, I believe that my, I'm going to do very, very well on the first ballot because I've, I've worked very hard and connected with a lot of members and my policy proposals resonate with them. And because of my approach and because of my team-building attitude, I'll do very well on second and third ballot choices, and I believe that's how I'll win. Um, you're like uh, Mr. Nice Guy. <laughs> is, <laughs> well, how, how, how much is that? How important is that? Well, I think, I think it's, it's, it's very important. You know, we, I don't think we lost the last election because of our policies. When I went door knocking and spoke to voters, I often heard that they liked the tax-free savings account or they appreciated the fact that we balanced the budget. But there was something preventing them from voting for us again. And I think we had taken Stephen Harper much more. Well, I, you know, I think we had taken on a negative style, a negative edge. We, we, we had a much more negative edge than we warranted. We were actually a very centrist, a pragmatic government. But uh, so I believe what I can offer our members and Canadians is the same type of approach that worked, that saw us through the global recession, that you know strengthened Canada at a very difficult time. But with the leadership style, that I can connect with a broader audience of Canadians. Some people have called me Stephen Harper with a smile, and I, I, you'll I take it. An accurate, yeah, I'll take it. I, you know, he had a, a great record, and I think I can bring in a, my own personality and my own approach that will will resonate with with more Canadians. Uh huh. And I, I know you, you're, you are uh, reputed to be very good with a, a quip. You know, when they talked about Justin Trudeau's yoga body, you talked about your dad body. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I often try to use humor to, to, to make a point. Sometimes it's more effective if you uh, have kind of a biting, sarcastic remark than uh, if you then you just have kind of a bluster and bombast sanctimony. So I try to bring some levity to 
to the conversation. I think it's an effective way to get a point across sometimes. Okay. So what would you like to leave us with? Well, I just, for, for those listeners who are, are members of the Conservative Party, I would ask for your support. If I am the leader, I will be able to keep our party together. And I have the, the right approach to defeat Justin Trudeau in 2019, which is the ultimate goal of this entire exercise. Okay. Andrew Shear, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.